Uh, good morning, everybody. We're going to get started in just a minute here uh, with the service here at Living Hope. My name is Rich. I'm the pastor. Well, good morning. Welcome to worship this morning at Living Hope. Um, if I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, um, my name is Katie, and I serve as the youth pastor here. Um, it's really good to be with you this morning, even in this unique way um, these days. Um, we like to begin our service, though, wherever you are, wherever you gather with this greeting, the Lord be with you and also with you. Would you pray with me this morning as we begin our service? God, we are so grateful that we have you, your presence, moving and alive in us. In this place, wherever we gather, God, we trust that your spirit is moving and breathing in us. And we thank you for that promise. We thank you for your spirit. And God, this morning, wherever we gather, whoever we gather with, even if we're alone today, God, we are not really alone. We have you and we have the body of Christ through your spirit. Would you help us to be attentive to your voice and, and the calling that you've placed on our hearts um, this morning? Would we be obedient to you this morning? Would we hear you speaking words of encouragement and love into our life, even during these hard, difficult days? God, would we recognize that you have been always with us? Even the last few months, even when things are difficult, God, you are with us and moving in our lives. We are your church, and we are so thankful that you have called us to yourself. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your redeeming work that you have done in Jesus Christ and that you continue to do. God, we look forward to that day when all things will be made new. And we thank you that even now we get to participate in the renewing work of your Holy Spirit in our own lives and through us in the lives of the people around us, in this world you've given us to care for. God, you are at work. In days like this, we really need that reminder. We really need sometimes to, to see you at work, especially when we feel like we can't be, when we feel sidelined. Maybe by, uh, by the shutdowns, maybe by our own health circumstances, or by a financial setback, or a health issue, whatever it might be, God, where we find ourselves feeling powerless, or feeling like we can't do what we would like to do, God, I pray that you would let hope arise within us, that you are at work, that you are making all things new, that you are delivering, that you are redeeming, that you are restoring. God, we thank you for opportunities that you give us. To, to partner with you. Please, God, would you fill us with your energy? Would you fill us with your hope? Would you fill us with your strength so that we may do the, the sometimes difficult work that you call us to do? I mean, if we're following in the way of Jesus, then there are going to be times you call us to sacrifice. There are going to be times that you call us to give uh, way beyond what we expected to give on this Memorial Day weekend or remembering those who made that ultimate sacrifice and gave their lives in service to our country and service to us. God, we ask that you would uh, not only bless their families and those who, who are missing them and bless all of us through their sacrifice, but God, we pray also that, that their example of, of sacrifice, of selflessness, of service, God, we pray that that example might, might lift our eyes to the example of Christ, that it might point us to you and to the example you are for each and every one of us who call ourselves Christians, that we might live lives that look like Jesus, 
Thank you, God, for the opportunity to gather together to worship you today. You know where we're all coming from. You know what what we bring with us into this moment as we're all scattered around the different places where we are, uh, watching this on our screens, singing along, praying along. God, thank you that you are right there. Just like you're right here with me right now, you are right there with each and every person who is hearing my voice, who is praying along with me. Every person who is reaching out, hoping that there's a God who's listening, God, would you help them to to find you? Would you you reassure them by your Holy Spirit that you are there, that you are with them, that you hear our prayers? Give us your strength. Give us your grace. Help us, God. Help us to trust you today. We need you, God. We need your strength. We need your hope. We need your life. Thank you. Thank you for meeting us in moments like this. We pray that through the remainder of this service that you will continue to be right here with us, very present. Help us, God, to be aware of your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Man, I can't wait until we're able to all gather together and exchange that piece uh, in person. Uh, Even though we won't be able to shake hands and do all the stuff that we like to do, uh, that day is coming, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Thank you to the whole Selbar family for leading us this morning uh, in the music. Uh, We are so grateful for you offering those gifts. Uh, Let's see. I know that the president just made an announcement the other day that like, hey, all the churches should be open. Obviously, we are not open yet because we are not yet clear that it's safe to do so here uh, in our community, in our building. Uh, But as soon as it is, we will be looking forward to gathering together. Uh, In fact, we just sent out a little survey uh, to all all of you who get our church emails. If you didn't get that, let us know, uh, and we would love to get that to you. Uh, But a little survey just asking, when do you plan to come back to the building? Because we know that some of you are just eager. You're chomping at the bit. You can't wait. You'd be here today if the doors were unlocked. Uh, I hope you didn't drive up and try them. Uh, but, uh, but others of you have said, oh, man, no, you'll see me sometime like, you know, in the fall or next year or something like that. Uh, we will continue to put services online uh, for all of you who feel the need for that, who feel the need to not be here. Um, uh, we honor that. We respect that. And we understand that uh, there are some real dangers for gathering together in a, in a group in an enclosed space for an hour. Uh, that's what we're trying to gauge is... Uh, Have we been able to mitigate those dangers? Have we been able to be ready to have you in this space uh, for an hour uh, singing together, praying together? Um, There are still a lot of unanswered questions, but we're doing our best to listen to the medical experts and to listen to the examples of others and to learn from the examples of others. Uh, So there's a little survey. You can fill that out and uh, let us know when you plan to be back, uh, if it's as soon as the doors are open or if it's in July or August or later, whenever that might be, or if there are particular concerns that you have about it, we want to hear from you because we want to do our best to address those. Uh, There are lots of other announcements that I could make. Um, You can still donate uh, for clean water to the 6K. You can go to vapo6k.com, make that donation today, help us hit our team goal of bringing clean water to 100 people. Uh, You could... um, um, you can give online uh, through our website, livinghope.info, and just click the little give thing at the top. Uh, there are lots of ways that you can continue to, to bless the people around you with phone calls, cards, uh, texts, all of that. 
but one blessing that has entered our life at this season, uh, well, I was just talking with uh, the students up here before we started, asking how the school year ended and that sort of thing. And students are pretty excited. Uh, I'm not sure teachers maybe feel ambivalent about it. I'm not sure. Uh, it's not, for no one is this the school year that anyone had, had planned on when the school year started. No one had thought like, oh, you know, halfway through, we'll just start studying from home instead, uh, especially those who have graduated. So uh, Pastor Katie's got a little something to say about uh, one of our students here at Living Hope. Well, this morning we are excited to celebrate our graduate, Lexi. Um, so if you're at home, you can cheer for her. Um, maybe she'll hear you uh, from your house. But um, we are excited to um, celebrate her today, all of her accomplishments. Um, and for some of you guys might not know that I've actually known Lexi, Lexi for the last four years. Um, I was her uh, camp counselor uh, in 2016. Uh, and so it's just kind of been really cool to to watch her grow over the last four years. So I'm particularly uh, feel special about this uh, celebrating her today, and I'm sure you guys will as well. So um, even though we can't have her here um, and we can't all be, be together to celebrate, we know that we share the same spirit and we can celebrate together um, wherever we are. We are um, just so incredibly proud of her. Um, I know for me, the word fearless does come to mind. Um, you can see that in one of her pictures, um, one of the necklaces she has. Um, just the, the opportunities that I've had to get to know Lexi over the last years and um, seeing her come on a mission trip that I led a couple years ago. Um, she is such a humble and fearless leader, and so I'm really thankful for her presence here at Living Hope, and I'm really excited to celebrate that she'll be at VU studying nursing. So she will be in the area, and so we can continue to support her and love on her um, in this area as well. Would you join me in this prayer together as we pray for Lexi and her family? Our heavenly, our heavenly Father, it is an honor to join you in affirming and celebrating the creative and academic accomplishments of Lexi, who is graduating and moving on to the next chapter of her life. We thank you for the season that you have entrusted Lexi to our care. And now, Father, as she moves out into the world, now more than ever, we entrust her into your care. You have created her in your image. You have created Lexi to live inside a big story, not a small one. Your story, the story in which your glory and honor and truth and beauty and grace and love are at the center. The story in which your mission to love people, places, and things to life, to leave the world better than she found it, is the central mission. God, we pray that Lexi's university campus at VU and the dorms that she lives in there, as well as her future homes, neighborhoods, and places of work, play, and worship would be better places more life-giving places because she is in those places as the aroma of Christ. Where she sees hurt, give her healing hands and healing words. Where she senses confusion, give her wisdom. Where she perceives beauty, give her a sense of thankfulness and wonder. Where Lexi encounters scarcity, give her a heart and a passion to contribute and serve. For Lexi, as she pursues higher education, grant her the knowledge that she will need in the nursing program and the wisdom to apply that knowledge to every facet of her life. For Lexi and her family, more than anything, may they, their measure of success be bound up, not in making money or in making a name for themselves, but in trusting in you, your mercies, which are new every morning, and in bringing fame and honor to your name, by doing justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with their God. Wherever the next chapter takes Lexi, give her a character that exceeds her gifts, and humility that exceeds her influence. Give her Jesus. Finally, may this 
prayer from St. Patrick be her prayer and her utmost pursuit. In the days and years of, ahead of her, Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth unfriend of friend and stranger. Amen. We celebrate Lexi today. We are so proud of you. Yeah, congrats, Lexi. Uh, and to all of you who are uh, finishing out the school year strong and, uh, or have finished the school year strong and have uh, moving on to new things, uh, congratulations. And our prayers are with you at this very unusual time. Uh, <laughs> I'm so used to at this point saying, if you could pull out your notes, we've got a little something. Okay. Uh, but you can't pull out your notes. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead with um, uh, this morning's message. We're starting a little three-week series on who we are as a church. And... Um, how that impacts our lives, what it means to be uh, the people that God has called us to be. Uh, some of you know that we're part of uh, a broader denomination called the Church of the Nazarene, and the Church of the Nazarene describes itself as having these three core values, that we're a Christian people, a holiness people, a missional people. And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be uh, a Christian people, what it means for us to be Christians. Uh, I, I bump into lots of people that say they believe in God, and, um, uh, and I always kind of think in the back of my head, okay, that's good. Uh, so which God, or what do you believe about God? Just saying you believe in God is very general, and uh, I don't think we realize that all the time here in the United States where our, our culture has been shaped so much by uh, one particular faith. Uh, but uh, you've you probably heard uh, some atheists uh, talk about how um, they're not that different from the rest of us. I mean, they just believe in one fewer God than, than the rest of us do. Um, you know, because most of us already don't believe in all the Greco-Roman gods that we read about back in high school or college or that we see portrayed in the Avengers, I suppose, the Thor and all of that, uh, the Norse gods. Uh, uh, we don't believe, most of us don't believe in, uh, if you're a Christian, you probably don't believe in all the Hindu gods uh, that, that people around the world right now today are uh, burning incense to and worshiping. There are lots of gods that we don't believe in. And uh, an atheist would say, well, we just also don't believe in one more, the one that you believe in, uh, the one that's described in the Bible. Uh, so it's important for us not to just stop at I believe in God, and just kind of leave it there. Uh, what does it mean for us, those of us who are uh, calling ourselves Christians, those who would show up at this church uh, on a Sunday or, or tuning in right now, uh, what, is, what do we mean when we say we believe in God? Well, we come at this specifically through uh, the lens of what Jesus Christ has taught us and, and modeled for us. We are a Christian people. We don't just believe in God kind of generally. We believe in the, in the God that was taught to us by Jesus, that was pointed out to us by Jesus. Now, that's what it means to be a, a Christian, to be a, one who trusts and follows Jesus Christ. Now, that word Christian uh, really isn't used that much in the Bible. Uh, in fact, I think only three times, if you do the little Google search or whatever, uh, if you're on the Bible app and you search for the word Christian, you might only find it three times in the Bible. Uh, a couple times in the book of Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 11, it says it was in Antioch, this particular town, where the disciples were first labeled Christians. They'd never been called Christians until that point in the story. And then all of a sudden, the, the other people who lived in town with them uh, had said, oh, so you guys are like Christians, huh? And uh, some people think that's a play off of a, a word Christian. It means like a do-gooder. Oh, so you're do-gooders, huh? And they, they like, Christian? Well, we follow Christ. Yeah, like, Christian, okay. And they kind of took that label. Others think it means like, oh, so you, like, you think you're like little Christs, like you're, you're, you're little followers of Jesus, like walking around like little Jesuses everywhere, uh, little Christs, because that's kind of what the word Christian means. Uh, at some point, that label got stuck on us, and we kind of liked it, and so we stuck with it. Uh, 
a little later in the book of Acts, uh, as the Apostle Paul is talking to one of the political leaders, he's trying to persuade him to become a Christian, to follow Jesus. And, and the person says, do you think you can persuade me to become a Christian so quickly? Uh, to become a Christian is one who would put their trust in Christ, one who would find their life transformed in the way that the Apostle Paul's life was transformed. Uh, or in 1 Peter chapter 4, that's the only other place I found where that word appears in the New Testament. And uh, it's talking about people who are suffering, uh, suffering for being a Christian, suffering for being one who puts your trust in Jesus. Instead of putting your trust in, say, the emperor or the political powers of the day, uh, instead of putting your trust in something else, putting your trust in Jesus, it has very real world implications for us, for how we live, for how we think for how we, what we do with our lives and how other people respond to us and how we respond to other people. And we see that right there from the beginnings of the, of the pages of, of Scripture. Now, much more common uh, than calling us Christians, the, the Bible, specifically the New Testament, the part that's written after Jesus came, uh, calls those of us uh, who are, today we call ourselves Christians, they call us disciples, call us believers, saints, those who are being made holy by God, uh, saints, brothers, and sisters, uh, emphasizing that we are family, that we are adopted into God's family. And so oftentimes uh, we're referred to as, as brothers and sisters. Uh, it says that we're in Christ, so that we're like so connected to Christ that we're like uh, a part of him <laughs> or a part of the body of Christ is another image that's used. Uh, or just the church, uh, that group the, of called out ones, I think is what that, the Greek word ekklesia means. It's like a, a community that's been called out from, from wherever you do in your common work, called out to gather together to worship God. Um, or, or another one that I, I really like is followers of the way, we were called. That we were followers of the way, the way of Jesus. Jesus who said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to come to the Father, come through me. Come to me. I'm the way that the Father is reaching out to you through me. So if you want to make your way to the Father, come to me. I'm going to help you to find your way to him. Uh, at its core, a Christian is one who trusts and follows Jesus Christ. Who trusts Jesus and who follows him. So there's, there's a whole like kind of mental and emotional, you know, um, like, hey, I'm trusting you. I, I'm deciding today that, yes, I believe that what you say is true. I believe you really did uh, live and die and rise again for me. And so I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow you. Jesus, as he walked to this earth, uh, approached people and said, follow me. Called them to be his disciples. And that's the same call that comes to us today. Saying, would you follow me? Would you trust me? A disciple uh, is not a word we use a whole lot today, I suppose. Uh, I guess one that I bump into more that's a pretty good parallel is apprentice. Um, there was a time back in college, uh, I was home for a summer, and my parents thought it would be good for me to do something instead of just sitting around, you know. So they, there was a, a plumber uh, who was a part of our church at the time, and, uh, and he said, well, hey, I'll take him on as an apprentice, and uh, maybe he can learn a trade and learn how to do some of this stuff. And so for a whole summer, I was a part of their team, and uh, wasn't an official apprentice or anything. There were people on the job who were like part of the apprenticeship, making their way through, learning the ropes, because that's what you have to do in many of the trades, is you have to be an apprentice. You have to learn how it goes practically, not just out of a book. You have to practically learn uh, how do I, you know, cut that pipe? How do I sweat that joint? How do I do this work? And um, so I did that uh, for a summer. Finally, by the end, they were letting me use the, the soldering thing and all that a little bit with the copper. But um, anyway, uh, an apprentice is one who says, who watches someone else and says, oh, that's how you do it? Okay. And then I get to try it and I see how I do. And the, and the master of the apprentice says, oh, oh, no, not like that. Here, mess that one up. Here, try it like this. And they correct us and they guide us. And that's what Jesus was calling people to and still calls us to, to be his apprentices, to be his disciples. Um, 
you know, it wasn't that long ago that our current president had a TV show uh, called The Apprentice. It's called The Apprentice, I think, right? Um, and the point of that whole show was all these people who wanted to kind of be like Donald Trump, I suppose, uh, in his business dealings, they all got weeded out week after week, right? You're fired. He would fire him. He'd kick him off the show. And that was kind of the whole, the whole thing. Jesus is almost the opposite of that, uh, where Jesus, instead of looking for ways to weed us out and looking for ways to exclude us, Jesus is always looking for ways to include us as his disciples, to include us in this journey uh, with him, to, to bring more and more people along saying, ah, oh, yes, you can do this. God created you for this. God created you to, to live a life of love, to live a life of, of meaning, to live a life of purpose. We've been looking uh, a few weeks ago uh, at, crea at creation, at Genesis, at the life God created us for. And uh, this is what Jesus comes to do, is to call us to this life that God created us for. And he is the one that's going to show us the way to do that. He wants us to be his apprentices. He wants us to be his disciples, to pattern our lives after him, to trust him that what he is saying about God is true and that, that this is a life that we really can live. I know some of you have very real doubts about that. You look at your own life and you look at the ways that you fail and you look at the, the I don't know, just kind of the messes sometimes that you make of things and you think, I don't think I could do that. I could never be like Jesus. Well, Jesus, as he was calling people to himself, uh, as he was talking to people who felt like they'd been burdened by uh, religious rules and their failure to keep them, said, come to me, all of you who are weary, heavy laden, heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Take my yoke upon you, he says. There's work to be done. It's an image of like oxen working in the field and have the yoke put across their necks as they're pulling the plow. And Jesus is saying, look, my yoke is easy. It's light. It's, it's not ill-fitting. It's made for you. We've got work to do together. So take my yoke upon you. Let's do the work. And you're going to find it's not a religious burden. You're going to find rest for your souls because all of a sudden you're going to find yourself working with the fabric of creation. You're going to be finding yourself working with God instead of against God or cross purposes with the way God wired you up. Um, so Jesus calls us to this, this beautiful life of, of partnering with him and doing this work, of trusting him. Now, uh, I know there's lots of opinions about Jesus and who he was and what he's accomplished and uh, did he even exist? Was he even a person? Uh, the historical record's pretty clear. There was a man named Jesus of Nazareth. And, and I think that the, the historical record is pretty clear that the, the Gospels are an accurate record. The, the writings of these early Christians, uh, the Gospels and the letters of Paul and the letters that we have there gathered in our New Testament, uh, that these paint an accurate picture of, of Jesus and who he was. And that this wouldn't make any sense for this whole movement to have started uh, as early as it did and throughout the Roman Empire if it was all based on some lie. If Jesus were just kind of a good man who walked around and taught some things and, and did some amazing tricks, I guess, uh, we call them miracles, but if he, if he did some, some work of healing and, and, uh, and taught some good things, taught people to be generous, taught people to love, and then gave his life on the cross as an example of, of humility, as an example of loving service, if the story ended there, I mean, I don't think this whole movement would have arisen. The, the whole reason there is a, a religion called Christianity today, the reason those early followers of Jesus were willing to trust and follow him even to their deaths was because they had met Jesus on the other side of death. They had seen him uh, alive again. They had seen him after he had risen from the grave and conquered sin and death and the devil. They had talked with him. They had walked with him. That's why they wrote the things they did. It's why they lived the lives they lived. And it's why today still people like me, people like many of you, we put our trust in Jesus and we're willing to follow him. 
Uh, I, I just want to look real quickly at uh, what the Bible says in John chapter 1. This is one of those four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that, that all tell us the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And, and he starts his, his Gospel, his good news about Jesus, uh, this way. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He's talking about the word of God, and he's turning it into a person as he describes this. He's like, look, the word of God, and we, we were looking at creation just not that long ago. We were looking at Genesis uh, for the last month or so, uh, and God just speaks, and light appears. God speaks, and the waters separate. God speaks, and land appears. God speaks, and life fills uh, the ordered creation that he has given us. This word of God John uses that, that image to talk about Jesus. He says this is more than just a word that God speaks. This is, this is a person who, in verse 14, a few verses later, says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The church early on, as they encountered Jesus, struggled to make sense of this, this, this man. They, they knew he was a man. They walked with him. They talked with him. They ate with him. They, they, they did life with him. I mean, they saw him in the good moments and in the bad. And um, I was just having a little bit of a conversation with another pastor the other day, like, would, would Jesus have been susceptible to disease? You know, we're all trying to be careful not to catch this or to give it to anybody else. And, and uh, you know, what would Jesus do, somebody asked. And they're like, well, they said, well, Jesus didn't catch diseases. You know, Jesus encountered a sick person, and, and the healing of his life was, like, more powerful than that disease. And, and healing always went out from him. Uh, well... But Jesus was also fully human. I mean, did Jesus have allergies? Did Jesus ever uh, catch a cold? I mean, we don't know. The stories don't tell us uh, in that level of detail. But they struggled to make sense. Like, this is a human being. We know that very clearly. But he's also somehow God in the flesh. This is more than just a prophet, more than just a healer, more than just a rabbi. Somehow we have seen God here. I mean, Jesus said that himself in John chapter 14 to his disciples. He said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. It's like, there's just a very clear picture here. You want to know what God is like? You just look at the life of Jesus. That's part of what it means to be a Christian people, a Christian church. Our concept of God comes from Jesus. It comes from looking at his life, listening to his teachings. Uh, a little later in John chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. That Jesus has revealed to us his heavenly father our heavenly father he has told us who god is and what what he looks like and the picture that, that jesus paints of god is an amazing one and it might be different than the picture of god that you picked up along the way we all have pictures of God that we get from our parents, from uh, a really mean Sunday school teacher when we were a kid, from, uh, from just the movies that we watch or whatever. Uh, I know for me, uh, I've, I've always appreciated the, the voice of God. Uh, oh, man, now I can't remember. I can't think of his name. Morgan Freeman, thank you so much. Yes, like I can picture him and his name wasn't popping in my head. Morgan Freeman is just like the voice of God there, you know, uh, from having done that in some movies. But you know, we, pick, we get pictures of God from all sorts of different places. And um, I think if we're going to be Christians, we need to look at Jesus and let him be the one who informs our picture of who God is. We need to let him be the one that tells us uh, about the God who loves us so much that he gives his one and only son so that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3, 16, right? Uh, this God who is, Jesus says, is like a father who has two sons. And, and uh, 
the one son, uh, the older one, he's just fine. He's, he's faithful doing the work. But the younger son says, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. And the father is, lets him go, lets him have his inheritance, is generous toward this son that's rebellious who goes off and wastes his inheritance on uh, you know, all kinds of uh, ridiculous stuff in a distant land. And then in, when he has run out of money and is finding himself in need, comes back home with his tail between his legs, apologizing to his dad. And Jesus says, our heavenly father, the God that he, that he knows and wants us to know, is like this father in the story who runs to his son and embraces him and is so excited to have him home. He's not punishing him for having rebelled or having uh, blown it. He's just, he's a, this son of mine who is dead is alive again. Let's throw a party. And he throws a huge party for his son who comes back home. This is the, the picture of God we get from Jesus. And it's a, it's a full picture. It's a rich picture. I'm not going to do it justice in just a, a couple of stories because Jesus spent years teaching about it. And there's, you know, pages and pages in our New Testament's written about it. That's why we spent all of last year making our way through the New Testament. That's why I encourage you to read the scriptures on your own because you need to, uh, to have your imagination shaped by Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, if you're going to trust Jesus, then that means you need to listen to him. That means you need to, to read what he has said. Uh, and if reading just isn't your cup of tea, okay, great. Listen to it instead. Grab the Bible app on your phone and hit that little play button. It'll read it to you. You know, listen to what it is that Jesus has said about the God who made us, the God who loves us. Listen to him and then see if you don't find that picture compelling. See if you don't find the picture of God painted by Jesus and revealed in his life uh, just uh, enchanting and compelling. I'm trying to think of it. It draws us to him. Jesus said he would draw all people to himself when he is lifted up by his own sacrifice, his example of love, uh, the love of God displayed in Jesus. He said, he's going to draw all people to himself. See if that isn't true for you. That, that he draws you to himself as you listen to what Jesus says about God. It's nice to, to watch the movies and to see Morgan Freeman and others portray God in different ways. Uh, that's fun. And it's nice to talk to friends and, and to, to just chat about what do you think about this or would God do that. And there's all kinds of preachers, people like me, who will stand up and tell you exactly who God is. I'm telling you we should listen to Jesus primarily. Let's listen to what he says about God. Because, again, as John said, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. Uh, now, in between there, in between those verses, uh, in John chapter 1, I'm looking at verse 9 here. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own people, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's the invitation that's open to us today, is to become children of God, to put our trust in Jesus, to say yes to him, to receive him, and to believe on his name. Those are the two things that it says there, that we're, we need to receive Jesus as he is. I know at Christmas time, sometimes this is the thought in my head. There's one of those Christmas carols that says, uh, um, it's joy to the world, I think, isn't it? It says, um, let earth receive her king, I think is the line in the middle of that. Um, and I think, yes, that's what we need to do. We, need, we have to receive Jesus as king, as Lord, as the one who rules and reigns over all things. Um, we need to receive him as who he is. Now, I know as we begin to put our trust in Jesus, oftentimes we kind of dip our toe in the waters. We listen to what Jesus has said about being generous, and we think, well, maybe I should try being generous like that. We listen to what Jesus says about forgiving, and we think, oh, maybe I should try forgiving like Jesus. Uh, we listen to what Jesus says about something, and we think, 
or we listen to what Christians, followers of Jesus, say about something, we think, maybe I could try that. And as we do, oftentimes we find that Jesus knows what he's talking about. What do you know? Uh, he actually has something, some insight into human existence and how we humans can live better together. I encourage you at some point, maybe today, to go ahead and take that step of saying, you know what, Jesus, if, you, if you've been faithful in this and in this and in this, maybe I can trust you with, with everything. Maybe I can trust you with my, my whole life. Maybe this really is true, that you are who you say you are, that, that you are what the Bible says you are, that you're the Son of God, uh, that you are the Lord, King of kings, that, that you reveal to us the Father. I mentioned earlier that the church stumbled along trying to figure out how to talk about this, this man who was a man but was somehow God. And eventually, uh, the church stumbled across this, uh, what we call the doctrine of the Trinity, that, that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's one God at three persons. And I'll just tell you, that's not something that we can, any of us can explain. Um, the church can develop language on how to talk about that and feel like we're not uh, dishonoring God by using that language. Uh, people use all kinds of metaphors to talk about it. Every metaphor breaks down at some point. There's object lessons people have tried and like, yeah, yeah, but none of them, none of them quite work, you know. The, the, they're all trying to get at this reality that when we look at Jesus, we're seeing who God really is. And so if you want to know God, if you want to know who God is, then you look to Jesus to trust him and what he says about God, to trust him that when he says, follow me, that, that life will be good, that when Jesus said, uh, I've come to give you life and have it to the full, when, he, when, he, when he's inviting us to this life God created us for, that he really can provide that. And so as we follow Jesus, as we put our trust in him and follow him, we find our lives transformed by him. As it, as it said there, he gives us the right to become children of God. We receive a, a new birth. That's what he talks about in John chapter 3 with that religious leader Nicodemus. talks about being born again, born from above getting a fresh start and a new life born into a new family, into God's family. Where some of the, the past stuff that we have inherited, perhaps from our own families, uh, or the past things that we have created, the problems we've created ourselves, those things can be left behind. The sins can be forgiven. The guilt, the shame uh, washed away. And we can experience new life in Jesus. We can be adopted into a new family, born into a new family. All sorts of images used in Scripture. And then he transforms us. He helps us to become the people he created us to be. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. We'll talk about what it means to be a holiness church, to live a life wholly devoted to God and, and what he is able to do in us, through us, by the work of his Holy Spirit. But just briefly, I wanted to, to point to uh, what Je Jesus says in John chapter 14, right after he says to the disciples, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. A couple of verses later, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, who trusts in me, who follows me, will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. He says our lives will look like Jesus. We will, we will live in this world like Jesus lived in this world. We will do the kinds of works that Jesus did. We will be a people who, bring, who go to those who are excluded, who have been, out, who have been cast aside, the outcasts. And we will go to them and we will let them know that they are loved, they are cared for, that we care for them. God cares for them. We'll be a people who offer grace even to our enemies. A people who, who I think our sign out there right now just says, let us be kind and respectful or something like that. Because there's, it's so difficult right now, it seems, for us to be kind and respectful to each other. Uh, but that's something that Jesus models for us and calls us to. There's a maturity that comes as we follow Jesus. Um, so I've got too many verses here to, to go into. Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to look at it later, uh, verses 11 to 16, talk about us growing and becoming mature in Christ, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ, uh, the work that he does in us 
to help us to become mature, complete, looking like Jesus. Uh, but right now, um, I'm looking at a clock, and, uh, and you're probably looking at yours if you haven't already tuned out. It's so difficult to see when you're not here. I can't see you uh, uh, zoning out. So let's go ahead. Let's pray. I want to pray for you and pray for me, and then we're going to sing one more song together before we go. God, thank you. Thank you for reaching out to us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you uh, that when we had made such a mess of this world you'd given us, when each of us individually, we can look at our own lives and see the messes that we have created. Oh, God, some of the damage that we've done. And we look at, around us at the world and we think, how long, God, are you going to put up with all this, all this mess that we managed to make? God, thank you that you have not rejected us. But instead, you have come to us in your son, Jesus Christ. You have entered into our broken world, into our broken humanity. And you have filled it with the life of God. Filled it with your grace. Filled it with your love. And so, God, we pray that you would help us as your people, as, as men and women created by you, help us to put our trust in you. Help us today to say yes to you as your spirit is reaching out to us today inviting us to trust and follow Jesus, inviting us to reach out to our Heavenly Father and to find you there willing and ready to, uh, to embrace us, to forgive us, to be gracious and good to us. God, would you help us to be willing to say yes to you? Now, God, I know this is a stretch for many of us. And so maybe for some of us, we're still going to be taking some baby steps toward you. But God, would you help us to at least do that? Would you help us today to take a step toward trusting you, a step toward following Jesus? And God, as we do, would you help us to see that you are faithful, that you are trustworthy, that you are worthy of our trust? Would you help us to experience the life that you created us to live as we trust and follow Jesus Christ? Again, God, for some of us, today might be a, a, a milestone day that uh, today perhaps we are uh, making that step of saying yes to you in a more complete and a more full way of saying, God, I, I'm trusting you with my life. I need my sins forgiven. I need a fresh start. Thank you for providing that for me in Jesus Christ. Thank you that by his life and death and resurrection, you have broken the power of sin and death and provided freedom for us all. Help me to experience that freedom. Help me to experience that life. God, there may be some of us praying that kind of prayer for the first time today. Thank you. Thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit upon us. Thank you for, for the life that you bring, the life that, uh, that, that blossoms, that blooms within us, that grows within us as we trust you. Help us to experience that life and to display that life, that love, that grace to the world around us. Help us to live lives that look like Jesus, not by our own striving or our own success or something, our own strength, but by the strength that you give, by the work of your Holy Spirit. God, you have loved us in Jesus. Help us today to receive that love, to say yes to that love, and to allow that love to transform our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Amen. Um, the musicians are going to come back up. They're going to lead us in one last song before we go. Ordinarily, when we're gathered together, uh, this is the time in the service where we'd be celebrating communion together. Um, these are the kinds of things that uh, are so valuable for us as we're attempting to allow Christ to shape our imaginations, to shape our lives. Celebrating communion every Sunday is a beautiful part of that. I've been missing it. I don't know if you've been missing it. I'm looking forward to us being able to open together, uh, to open the church and be able to celebrate that together again. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, you can, you can read the scriptures, you can pray, you can sing, you can worship with us online, and can connect with a God who loves you. Let's do that right now. Amen. Again, God, we thank you for the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ and for the, the life that you give us in him. Would you fill us today with the spirit of Christ that we might live in this world as Christians, as a people who reflect your grace and your love to everyone we interact with this week. You are so good, God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.